and welcome to ChamberCast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce's podcast. I'm your host, Jack Genoy. We are in the middle of Ag Celebration Week, which culminates with our annual Ag Celebration Banquet on Friday, January 27th. Both are presented by title sponsor, Yellowstone Valley Electric Cooperative. My guests today are leaders of Yellowstone Valley Electric Cooperative, Brandon Whitman, the CEO and General Manager. Hi, Jack. And Dave Kelsey, the Secretary Treasurer of the Board of Trustees and an active member of the Billings Chamber Ag Committee. Yeah, hi, Jack. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you both for joining us today. So can you please just introduce yourselves for our uh, listeners who haven't met you before and talk about, you know, your experience at Yellowstone Valley and how you got into doing what you're doing? I'll start. Okay. So as you said, I'm the CEO and general manager of Yellowstone Valley Electric Cooperative. I've, I've actually worked there a very long time. I've been there since 1995. I didn't start in this position. I started on the outside. So I actually was summer help uh, before, when I was going to college, let's put it that way, I was summer help at the co-op. We still have a summer help program, which is obviously near and dear to my heart. But So I worked summer help uh, four out of the five summers I went to college. Yes, I was on the five-year plan, not the four-year plan. (laughs) Anyway, at the end of that, I had some opportunities to um, continue my education, and there was a couple openings at the co-op. So I applied for one of those uh, two positions, was fortunate enough to get it, and so I started on the outside. I worked as a groundman, as a journeyman lineman, as a well, an apprentice before that, and then a journeyman lineman, and then eventually I moved my way inside to marketing, member services, and a few other positions. And so I've been the CEO since 2012. You've seen just about every aspect of the company before taking yes. the leadership ranks. Yes, absolutely. Dave, how did you end up being on the board of trustees? Well, Jack, I uh, I ran for the board about 20 years ago, and. Uh, was fortunate enough to to be elected. Um, I farm and ranch west on our western border of the territory that we serve. We we were kind of out on the outside edge there, where it's not nearly as populated as uh, a lot of the rest of our territory. Mm-hmm. And so it's critical to get some viewpoint from that area as well. And I've just always been kind of intrigued about cooperatives in general. And in specific, in this case, with the electric cooperative and decided to run for the position and was lucky enough to, to be elected. And how long have you been on the board? Uh, I'm in my 20th year. Okay. You have a long standing perspective then of both as a customer and, you know, seeing the inner workings of everything. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, it's amazing the changes we've witnessed and uh, how fast and how quickly we are adopting new technology new things that provide better service to our customers. And it's, it's so important to keep in mind who we're uh, representing and what we're in the business of doing. I'm really excited to get into all of that later on, more of the new technology and your operations and all of that. But first, I want to talk about your connection to agriculture, this being Ag Celebration Week. You know, agriculture and rural life are important to YVEC and to, to both of you. Uh, can you tell tell us why why VEC finds ag to be so important and why you are both so supportive of the ag industry? Sure, I think I'll I'll kick that off. I think the short answer is it's because we're so intertwined. Mm. Uh, you know, our our cooperative and and you know rural parts of our system, farmers and ranchers that we serve, we're, we're very intertwined. I mean, none of it works without power. Uh, and and the other piece of that is is that that's the reason our co-op was started, but. 
back in 1937, there's a group from this area that got together and said, listen, in order for us to still, you know, to be competitive as farmers and ranchers, we need electricity. You know, we, we need that efficiency that it brings. And so they started what was back then the Yellowstone Valley Electric Association, which became over time Yellowstone Valley Electric Cooperative. And without those pioneers getting together and starting our co-op, we wouldn't be here today. And okay. there's a lot going on in our system, of course. There's a lot of different, you know, you look at the West End of Billings, you look at you know, Billings itself, the way it's growing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in our service territory too, but we can't forget how we started and why we're there. So, Two questions. So you mentioned your service area a couple of times. Yes. Where is that? Sure. So Huntley is the center. Uh, okay. And that's where our headquarters is located is, is in Huntley. So it's, it's very much the center of our system. We go uh, to the east down to about the Bighorn River. Actually, we cross the Bighorn River in a couple spots. To the west, uh, just as Dave mentioned, we go out into the Molt area and we go uh, like the Park City rest area along the interstate. That's one of the furthest services we have to the west. To the north, we go a little more than halfway to Roundup, and then we go way over in the south, uh, over to the prior area. Okay. And, you know, I, as you were talking about that, I remember reading in my, like, U.S. history book in high school about, you know, rural electric electrification in the 30s. You guys were part of that. Oh, absolutely. You guys yeah. were part of that history. Yep. Yep. Late 30s is when we started. Um, and again, you know, we had this group of folks that just got together and said, hey, we, we need electricity, in our, you know, for our farms and ranches. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's not forgotten on us. And, and again, you take a look at our board of directors and how they're made up. They're mostly all farmers and ranchers. Uh, you know, they, they bring that mindset uh, to our co-op. And I'll let Dave speak to that. Yeah, I, uh, going along with that, I think it's been so critical to bring electrical energy to the rural areas. We, when things were evolving, uh, the investor owns took the more populated areas and the rest of the state of Montana was left for somebody else to get in and do something with. Mm-hmm. And it precipitated the importance of working together as a community. That's the, that's the importance of a cooperative. We work as a family, as a community, and we work to provide the services that we need and, and have to have to flourish. And without electrical energy, you're, you're not going anywhere. You don't have any computers. You don't mm-hmm. have any power. You don't have any uh, things to keep your water running for uh, cows and your homes and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's very critical. Yeah, it's not just the houses for the people who live out in these rural areas. Right. It's, you know, pretty critical infrastructure at this point. It's water tanks, like you right. mentioned. It's center pivots for right. irrigation. It's a, it's a lot of different things that make our number one industry a lot more productive. Right. It is, yeah. R- rural infrastructure is obviously very important. It's, it's always, it seems to be a focal point. There's a lot of focus right now on, on rural broadband. Mm. Um, but none of it works. None of the rural infrastructure works without electricity. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, an extremely valuable service. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of people take for granted. It's one of those things that you don't uh, realize how much how much you appreciate it until it's gone. Right. Yeah, That's true. So I've been really excited to share more of your work with our members and myself, learn more about YVC during this interview. So just give us a little bit of a high-level overview. Tell us about your service area footprint what goes and what goes into serving your 22,000 electric meters. That's a good question. Um, I, I, I kind of went through the service territory already. So we don't just serve in Yellowstone County. We serve in the five surrounding counties. So, so six counties altogether. Our plant is, um, is probably bigger than most people think. 
we are at about $110 million in total utility plant. So we have uh, 22 distribution substations, two transmission substations, and like you mentioned, uh, 20, 22 on our way to 23,000 meters that we serve. Again, most of it is in Yellowstone County, about 90 plus percent, but we branch out into those other counties. And as far as Yellowstone County is concerned, we, not, not that this is directly related, but uh, you know, people think because you're an electric co-op and, and co-ops are not for profit that, uh, you know, that maybe we don't pay our fair share. We are always in the top 10 in property taxpayers in the, in the Yellowstone County because of the size of our plant. You, know, you can't yeah. have $110 million without having a significant presence. Yeah, and all of the like the utility lines and all that sort of stuff counts as taxable property too, right? It does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Substations, lines, um, yeah, all of it. And so you, uh, YVC generates, buys, distributes, and sells electricity, to put it simply. You do all of those things. We, we don't generate. Oh, okay. We don't generate. We buy it wholesale. So we have two main suppliers. Uh, one is Basin Electric, which is headquartered in Bismarck, North Dakota. They do have facilities uh, in Montana generation facilities. And then um, the, the other main provider is the Western Area Power Administration, and that's, uh, that's Hydro. Okay. We have a little bit of generation with uh, community solar projects that sure. we have, but that's the extent of it, Jack. It's just to, to provide a service for our members, sure. that community solar. Yeah, and then uh, you talked about your commitment to community. I mean, electricity isn't the necessarily the only service that you provide. I went on your website earlier today, and I saw that you had a lot of, you know, really helpful stuff to kind of help kind of create that community, a lot of useful tips on there, and you do a lot of charity work as well, right? That's correct, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's important to us uh, to make sure that the communities that we serve are successful. And so there's, there's many things that we do to help that. Um, you know, there's a purpose to a, to a lot of what we do. Uh, w- whether it's scholarships, uh, we, we d- generally uh, provide somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty dollars to $30,000 in scholarships for youth in the area every single year. Uh, but the biggest, the biggest program that we have, in my personal opinion, and the one that helps the communities we serve the most is our Operation Roundup program. And we started that back in 2018. And to this point, we've, we've seen distributions go to charitable and nonprofit organizations in our service territory only, uh, to the tune of just shy of uh, $400,000. What, uh, so people can round up their bill and then the remainder of that goes to that cause. What percentage of their customers do that? We have a participation rate of about 90%. Wow. And it's exactly like you say, they, they just round up to the nearest dollar. So if you have a power bill that's you know $83.75, they round up to $84 and that quarter goes into the fund. And most, most people, those 90% that participate, you know, they're, they're generally giving about 6 to $7 a year. But when you, you know, when you add all that up and you have 90% participation on 22,000 people, uh, it's significant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even for a small amount like that, ninety percent is a really impressive participation rate. I think that's a testament to the, you know, the sort of spirit of the co-op that you've built. I mean, the, your your members are not just customers; they're part of. They really are part of a community. You know, and that that program has been so successfully accepted throughout the trade territory. It is uh, providing uh, necessary equipment, necessary safety structures you name it, for various communities throughout our trade territory. And we get consistently, oh, 15 to 20 applications per quarter for participations to be granted some of that money. Yellowstone Valley Electric Cooperative and the Billings Chamber 
cordially invite you to mark your calendar for the annual Ag Celebration Banquet on January 27th, beginning at 5 p.m. in the Pavilion at Metro Park. Enjoy an evening with local entertainment, a delicious meal, and front porch conversations with agricultural leaders. We will also recognize one of the industry's best with the 2022 Ag Excellence Award. Visit BillingsChamber.com for tickets and program details. You both mentioned earlier about staying true to the original roots of YVEC, and yet you are uh, you are adopting new technologies, you are evolving. How do you balance those two things? How do you stay true to your original roots while, you know, taking advantage of all of the new opportunities that are presented to you? You know, I think for us, uh, it, it's, it's easier than you think. You know, our mission is to provide reliable, affordable electricity. That's, that's the core of our business. And as long as we stay true to that, uh, it's pretty easy to keep your focus. And, and, but be able to, to do that, to be able to provide reliable and affordable electricity, that's when you got to start introducing mm-hmm. things like, like equipment, whether it's a computer on someone's desk in the office or it's a, it's a brand new bucket truck or digger truck uh, for our line crew, or it's a piece of uh, technology uh, that, that helps everyone do their job more efficiently. We have to be actively engaged in that uh, to be able to provide the best possible service at the lowest possible price for our members. So we're constantly analyzing that. And there's, there's some technology we have that a lot of people wouldn't realize. For example, every one of our uh, operations employees has an iPad. And on that iPad is our system our total plant, all the miles align, all of our substations, all of our meters in real time. So they can actually see our system live in real time. So when a meter goes out of power, they know that immediately. They get an alarm on their system. It shows them the meter out of power. It shows them uh, a common piece of equipment that could be causing the outage. So our response time and the material that we bring, the equipment that we bring, we have very good knowledge of what, what we need to fix that problem before we ever roll a tire. So that's where it all comes together is we, we stay true to our mission, uh, but we use the technology to help ourselves do that. Yeah. Jack, I want to follow that up with, uh, with regard to a board member responsibility. Our main purpose is to provide reliable, affordable power. And we've done that using technology, new equipment, using all of the above types of power. We use solar we use coal we use natural gas we we provide everything we can for our members but in order to do that we do it in a highly technological improving way as we go and we've been able to provide services with fewer employees to our members and do an excellent job of of providing great service excellent service and uh, reliable power in in terms of less outages, that sort of thing, because of the equipment and the uh, technology that we give our employees to succeed. That is really important mm-hmm. to us. And we we know it costs them money to get the equipment. At the same time, by doing that, we can do a lot of things with fewer employees yeah. than you would have to do without it. Yeah, and I, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm always looking at at statistics like Dave's talking about. And so there's about 900 electric co-ops across the country. Every year they come out with with a, a series of ratios and statistics that show you know where you rank with other co-ops. And every year, I mean, 
pretty much year in and year out. We are in the top 5% of the country when it comes to the number of members we serve per employee. So in other words, we're doing more with less employees. And it has everything to do with the employee themselves, how committed they are, how loyal they are, how much they care about the co-op, yeah. and then the equipment and the technology that we use to. And, uh, you know, the numbers are, they're amazing. Like at our co-op, it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 450 consumers per employee. And the average for other co-ops in Montana is like 250. So oh, it's, wow. it's, it's not close. And then the average in the country is around 300. So you can see we, are, we rank very high in that particular statistic, but that's part of our philosophy. Yeah. We, we try to do more with less, but we're not afraid to use the technology and the equipment to get us there. Yeah. And you, I mean, that is something that you really do have to do in rural Montana. You have to, you know, you have to cover a much larger area with fewer people. You, it requires a lot more, you know, miles of transmission line per customer. And yeah, I'm sure it can't be an easy thing to do. No. And you know, the way I like to describe it is uh, we basically have two systems. If you look from Huntley to the West, we have, we have good density, density, meaning number of meters per mile. Mm -hmm. But if you look from Huntley to the East, it's completely opposite of that. And then, and the, I, the way I, I say it is there's a lot of dirt between light bulbs because right. there is, there's a yeah. lot of dirt between light bulbs, but that's just how we are. And you've got to be able to serve both sides of that system with efficiency. Yeah. Dave, did you say the last ag committee meeting that you haven't raised your rates in almost 12 years? Yes. Is that that's right? That's exactly right. That is really impressive. I yeah, was flabbergasted it, when I We're really that. proud of that, Jack. And, and, uh, we work hard to maintain that and, with all of the changes we've done at our facility in terms of infrastructure, to be able to say that and to have invested the type of, of uh, capital that we have for our system, I think it's a wonderful success story. And, you know, I, I, I'm really extremely proud of our employees and especially uh, Brandon as the manager. He gives our employees an ownership in the business. That is so critical. We bring those employees and Brandon invites them in. We in, we uh, get reports from the employees at every board meeting. Uh, not every, every employee every time, but we get different reports from the employees. And that's so important. I think it's critically important for the employees to have a ownership in the business mm-hmm. And know that what they do is appreciated. And Brandon has brought about that type of leadership, which has been very beneficial to our cooperative. And I'll, I'll speak a little bit to what Dave started with is, um, you know, again, I'm a numbers guy. So, yes, our last rate increase was in May of 2011. Uh, so it's been, been quite some time and, and it looks good for 2023. So we're, we're going to go beyond 12 years without a rate increase. But in that time frame, since 2011, we've put well over $40 million into our total utility plant. And I just said the plant's at about $110 million. So I mean, we're talking almost 40% of the value of the plant we put in since 2011 to stay ahead of all this growth that we're seeing and still have been able to keep our rates stable. So that sounds like a pretty substantial benefit of uh, being a co-op. Uh, what are some of the other benefits of being a co-op that you'd like to I, you talk know, about? You know, the, the part I like about the co-op business model is that it's not for profit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, they hear that and they go, what does that mean you're not for profit? And does that mean you don't pay taxes? Or, I mean, and we already talked a little bit about that. I mean, we pay significant property taxes. You know, we, we, pay, we, we pay income taxes. You know, our employees do. 
and we have 53 employees all paying income taxes. So yeah. we, we have a significant uh, you know, tax footprint. But the part that I like is that the not-for-profit means that if we do make a profit, if we turn a margin at the end of the year, that gets returned to our members in the form of capital credits. And so at the ratio that they contributed to that margin, they get money back every single year. And that, that to me is super important. And that's what sets us apart from investor-owned utility. Investor-owned utility have investors from all across the world. Mm-hmm. And so when they turn a profit, it goes to investors all around the globe. Our, our profit goes back to the members that live in our service territory, and it helps keep them healthy, makes them successful, the community successful, which makes our co-op successful too. So what is next for Yellowstone Valley? I think we've seen so much growth uh, externally. A lot of the focus this past year, and it'll trickle in to the next coming few years, is some internal growth. Uh, we, we've gone from 46, 47 employees to 53. Uh, I think that'll probably continue. We'll probably uh, continue to add a few employees here and there. And then one of the big things for this, this past year and, and looking forward to the next few months is um, we, we've made some additions to our plant in the form of uh, building additions on our service center. We're actually in the middle of and almost to the end of uh, uh, an addition on our service center that includes um, a new, some new training facilities, uh, a new locker room, a new lunchroom, that kind of thing for, for our, our linemen and, and operation employees. We're adding a 12-bay garage to, our, um, to a, our pole yard that'll be done probably early in 2023 for equipment storage. And as you can imagine, as you add employees, you add equipment, you know, kind of thing too. And then we've purchased some property adjacent to uh, our current service center, and we're going to take our pole yard and expand it into there. So it's all about trying to make our operational system more efficient. And it takes a little more room to do that because we're adding mm-hmm. more employees and, uh, and more equipment all the time. And, and then the other thing, I, I think our growth will continue, maybe not at quite at the breakneck speed that we've seen at the last couple mm-hmm. years. But we're starting to see a pretty good uptick in commercial growth, commercial type services. Okay. So I think that'll be big for us in the next couple of years. What I hear you saying is that you're not going anywhere and you're ready to meet new demand. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, if you look at our service territory, we're fortunate to be in and around the city of Billings. There's a lot going on here. You got the three refineries, you got the medical facilities, you got the colleges. And, and you know, Billings has gotten to a size where it sort of feeds off itself. And we're benefiting from that, definitely. Um, but at the same time, we've got to keep up with it. So yeah. we've, we've, got to, we've got to take care of things internally, too, to make sure that we can, we can meet the growing needs. Jack, I want to kind of tie on to that a little bit. You know, we talked about new technology and mm-hmm. different things that we have. But in order to have that, you have to be able to house that yeah. uh, properly. And our equipment is expensive equipment. And... We have added storage facilities to keep our equipment stored inside. The real nice benefit of, there's several benefits. It keeps everything in a lot better shape. You can clean things up easier. The other thing is, during cold weather scenarios, like we're going to experience here, you store that equipment inside. You don't spend a half an hour warming something up, uh, getting so you can even get in the outfit and go. Yeah. So you're more efficient. You get out quickly and you can take care of business a lot quicker and and, uh, get doing the things you want to do to be productive. Just like we said, it makes us more efficient to have storage facilities and proper housing for the equipment. It really is 
a, a nice advantage uh, for our, our folks. And I guess the other thing about, you know, you're talking about directions of the co-op and we've always been involved with youth education. Mm-hmm. We offer scholarships for scholastic scholarships, but we also offer scholarships with regard to vocational areas as well. And and that's a combination of scholastic and vocational drive. And so that makes us a, a, a little more attractive to some of the students that are not your traditional college-bound students. They're, they're wanting to go for mechanics or whatever yeah. background, nursing or whatever, for a two-year program instead of four, your traditional four. And we, we really pride ourselves on getting our our young people involved with uh, trips to Washington, D.C., our youth trips there, that type of thing. We've got our folks providing a help with distributed energy when they want to put some solar on their property. We help them go through that process and make sure that it's done safely so that it protects our, our employees yeah. and does a, a good job for them as well. Yeah, I think that... That stuff is so important. I mean, I grew up in a a rural area, not in your service area, but uh, those sorts of opportunities like going to Washington, D.C. that I got through FFA and BPA and that sort of thing, you know, really did expand my horizons and increased my perception of what was possible, you know, for for a person's future. And you were talking about trades education as well. I'm sure a person can make a pretty good living as a lineman, but a lot of people might not have that on their radar, you know? I think that would be that's the type of thing that kids just need to be exposed to more. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. The, the, the trades are key. They really are key. In fact, we have scholarships that are that are just for someone that is interested in going to a line school, which I think is is, is a good thing to have. But yeah, the, the occupation or the career itself is very rewarding. It, it does pay quite well. And, you know, it's rewarding in that y- you feel like you're an integral part of the community. You know, you know what you're taking care of. Yeah. You're taking care of that that rural infrastructure, that electricity for, for you know the the people in your own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so it it is rewarding that way. Yeah, and you, and again, it it does. It, it's it's a great career. It it it'll take care of a family quite well. Yeah, yeah. And you never have to wonder whether or not your work is important. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, no that's, doubt. That's right. Is there anything that either of you wanted to touch on today before we wrap up? No, you know, I think um, I think I like you know how the program started. A lot of people say, well, why, you know, why are you involved? Why does agriculture matter to you? And, and to us, it, it's a cornerstone piece of who we are. And we just can't forget that. I mean, we talked a lot about growth and we talked about technology. But um, at the end of the day, you got to remember where you came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, we definitely do. And you know, it's not like that rural member isn't important to us. It certainly is. I mean, that, that infrastructure, that electricity is probably more imperative to them in certain situations yeah. than it is to other customers. And, and we, we do not, uh, we just don't forget that. Jack, I want to add there, you know, you asked about participation in the Ag Committee mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's so critical for us to be involved in the Ag Committee because we need to be involved politically. A lot of things that happen to our members have been brought about through the political process Mm -hmm. and we have to be a part of that i don't think you can tell your membership you're doing everything you can to protect them if you're not a part of knowing what the political atmosphere is i think it's really critical and i you know i just think 
that's an important aspect. So before we wrap up today, we like to cap off each episode with what we call the Rorschach questions. These are kind of more fun, lighthearted, get to know you type of questions. I'm going to hold up an ink blot in the form of a question and I'll ask for your first response. <laughs> so first up, what book is on your nightstand right now? Dave. You know, the, the one I'm working on now is that uh, book Brandon just gave us, I'm trying to remember the exact title of it, Brandon. Yeah, it's so, so and, and actually, I, I just got done reading the same book, but it's a, it's a book about understanding different personalities, and I, I, the title escapes me, too. Okay. But it's something about, you know, how understanding personalities actually gives you power. Um, okay. And, and so I, I actually gave one to all the employees and, and to our trustees, too. And it, it, the, the part I like about the book is it's really kind of fun is he compares different personalities, you know, like a warrior or a romantic or whatever, you know, he compares those to television and movie actors. Okay. So it makes it more relatable. Sure. You know, it's just like, okay, you're a warrior, but here's what, who a warrior is in this particular movie or this particular, you know, okay. scene in a, in a TV show. And it's like, oh, now I get it. So that's, that's what Dave's talking about. The same book that I just got done reading. Okay. Yeah. This is Ag, Ag Celebration Week. So we got to ask a question along these lines. What's a development in the ag industry that either of you are excited about? Well, I think, uh, the advancement of technology in ag is, is really just like everything else, Jack, has gone above and beyond anyone's expectations. And, and I think that's pretty exciting. We, we have, it just makes us more productive. And uh, I think it also gives um, some excitement to young people that may be involved in the technology aspect of things. You don't have to be out driving the tractor or doing those things, you can be involved in the technology end of it and still be heavily involved in the agricultural business. I think that's one thing, you know, we, we had a guy at one of our speakers at one of the uh, state FFA conventions recently, actually was a backup quarterback for the Bobcats. Okay. And went to working for uh, John Deere. And stated to the kids there in his speech, there's more computers on the John Deere tractor than there is in the space shuttle. And so that's where we're at, Jack. That's yeah. Yeah, I think and I, I would I would just kind of echo those comments in that I think the development itself is just the push for efficiency. Yeah. And it is kind of exciting. I, I serve on another board with with some other ag associated people. Uh it it's the board is CoBank and it they're one they're a cooperative lender, is who they are. And so we're we're a borrower from CoBank, but Pretty much everyone on that board is is ag related too, and to listen to some of those folks, there's, there's almond growers and there's blueberry growers and there's you know anything you can think of as far as ag goes on that, and they are constantly talking about technology and doing things more efficiently, using less water, using less you know whatever, less inputs to make their product more efficient, and but yet the quality of it remains superior. So that it's it's really interesting, it's really exciting. I I think it's all over agriculture right now. Yeah. So even before you mentioned new technology, I wanted to ask this question. When I think about energy, I think about the future. But what is a technology that we don't have now? Maybe it's energy generation or maybe it's a consumer technology that you're hoping comes online soon. I, I think, uh, you know, if if carbon is the problem and that can be debated back and forth and that, you know, well, I'm not taking a stance on that. I'm just saying if carbon is the problem and is the focus. I think nuclear is the answer 
And I think the development with nuclear that's exciting is the small modular nuclear. Mm-hmm. When everybody thinks of nuclear, they think of Chernobyl or some of the, you know, these giant, you know, billion and billion dollar plants uh, that take up, you know, hundreds of acres and nuclear's changed. You think about your cell phone and how, uh, you know, telephone technology's changed over time. It's the same for every other t- technology out there, yeah. and, and nuclear is no different. And there is small modular nuclear. And when I say small, I mean it fits on a on a on a low boy trailer for a semi, and you can hook these things together in series to get to the amount of electricity that you need. Uh, but it is it has some serious potential, and I I think that it could be an answer going forward. I have to agree with that, Jack. I. I serve on another board that's Northwest parts of the U.S. and uh, Northwest Public Power Association. And it, I think nuclear is an option. Unfortunately, we're on a 10-year time frame, and that's if everything goes well and you don't have any yeah. um, supply chain problems or environmental dis- disruptions and that kind of thing. But the small nuclear reactors... We we need to speed up the approval of that type of thing. For example, you could replace a lot of what's happening at Coal Strip. We've got the infrastructure in terms of uh, transmission that you could put those small nuclear reactors in there and and take off and go and do a real nice job of servicing the same trade tor- trade territory. Yeah, and yeah. one other one other technology is keep your eye on hydrogen. Hydrogen has some potential mm, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I know the state legislature is probably going to do take a look at some of our nuclear regulations this upcoming session. I know the interim committee assembled a report on that. And of course, I was really excited uh, earlier this week about that announcement on the fusion reactor, too. I'm you bet. Really that was a nice that. announcement yeah. for yeah. sure. I think there's all a lot of these changes that are coming about. I'm not sure. Well, I'm pretty, pretty sure that uh, EVs is not the correct answer. Yeah, at least not for every situation. That's for right. Sure. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, this is a question that we've been asking to all of our guests. How long have you been on, in Montana and what keeps you here? I was born and raised here. Been, I'm uh, just okay. shy of 70 years old and I would not, not like to live in any other location than right here. Enjoy it here. Nice place to raise kids. Nice place to be involved uh, with an occupation and uh, a lot of recreational opportunities as well. And with that being said, I got to say, go Bobcats. <laughs> well, it's the same for me. Born and raised here. I've been here uh, my whole life. Uh, I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to get to travel quite a bit mm-hmm. um, with, with this job and with a couple other boards that I serve on, get around the country a lot, uh, especially back to D.C., but uh, uh, you know, all over the country. And, you know, to me, Montana is, it's the last best place. I mean, we talk about technology and equipment and, and there's a lot going on here, but it's still just a, a, just a more wholesome, just a simpler way of life. You know, I've raised two kids here. You know, I honestly thought that maybe they would, in their careers, branch out and go a little further away. And they're, they're right here where they were raised. And that, that speaks volumes for the quality of life here. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. I learned a lot, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again at the Ag Celebration Banquet. Thanks for having us, Jack. Thanks for having us, Jack. Thank you so much to Dave and Brandon for joining us today. I want to say another big thank you to Yellowstone Valley Electric Co-op for sponsoring Ag Celebration Week. 
Be sure to check the show notes for information on anything we discussed today, including Ag Celebration Week and the Ag Celebration Banquet. Last but certainly not least, thank you to Payne West for supporting ChamberCast. Please take a moment to rate us on your preferred podcast platform and don't forget to subscribe to ChamberCast wherever you get your podcasts because there is something here for everyone.